Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Tyler is on as Ivan Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel, your plans changed for the weekend. They did. I know. And you laughed at me. When I when funny. I said, hey guys, I'm available now for this, you laughed at me, which wasn't funny because we were going to Cabo in a hurricane to celebrate a friend's birthday. And turns out there's a hurricane. That's not funny. There's a hurricane coming. You guys were. I'm not used to, to hurricanes on the West Coast. Like I'm this. not either. But you gonna you gonna see them now because of global warming. Well, we can't go, so we have to pivot. And um, what are you ladies doing now? Why can't we say whose birthday it is? Oh, we can. It's I Nina. just it's Nina's Parker's Nina birthday. Nina Parker. Nina Parker collection. I don't know. Yeah. Shout out to Nina Parker collection. I'm Killing mobile. it. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're celebrating Nina's birthday, group of friends. It's looking forward to going to Cabo, but we're going to, you know, find something fun to do in L.A. What, Celebrate uh, our girl. Are you guys going to Malibu to look at the giraffe? No. Never seen him there? I did that place on my season, but we didn't do the giraffe. You didn't see him? They were that was afraid the, that when was it was the... burning up that something would happen towards him. Have you seen the giraffe? Never seen them. No, I've done that. I mean, one birthday of mine, one of my exes took me to like a farm like that in uh-huh. Texas. And you can feed the giraffe. Uh-huh. So you put a carrot in your mouth and they swoop down and take their and pull it out. That's so fucking weird. I thought it was cool. You put a carrot in your mouth and you let a giraffe eat it. You just do whatever white people tell you to do. Well, my, was, my boyfriend he, wasn't white. What was he? Black. Was he? Yeah. He was influenced by whites. He didn't do it. I bet he didn't. <laughs> Actually, he didn't do he it. He probably just wanted to see if you would do it. <laughs> well, he took me there. I and fully immersed myself in the like, experience. Man, she for the Serengeti. He 100% didn't do it. Man, of course he didn't do it. He wanted to see if you were going to do it. He wanted to see if he could make you put the carrot in your mouth and share it with the giraffe on some weird requiem for a dream type shit. That was cool. I can't believe he did that. Can't believe you got that deep into animal love with the giraffe. What kind of giraffe was it? A regular one, like Jeffrey. Was he tall? Super tall? Aren't they all? I don't know. I feel like there's different. He was tall. He's like super. I think obviously with human beings, they're different heights. I'm sure they're different heights with giraffes. Okay. Well, it was a tall one. Let's look at the different variations no, of giraffes. No, let's not. <laughs> Save it for animal games. Give that to Donnie as a as a question that he can put on animal games. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Donnie, let's bring back animal games next week. Speaking of animal games, um, I'm going to speak at P22 Day on Saturday. No, you're not. I Why am. didn't you invite me? Because they didn't invite you. <laughs> Who was it? Was it the guest we had? Come on. Beth Pratt invited me to come speak at P22 What are you going to say? I'm going to talk about what P22 means to me. How you jumped on the bandwagon? Nah, not jumping on the bandwagon. bandwagon. You're a bandwagon. I'm an animal lover, and I love animals. And when they say, what have you done since in regards to mountain lion relief or mountain lion awareness, what would be your response, fam? I'm here right right now would be the response. What do you mean? No, it was P22 that's so, day. That's so weird. It's so it's it's so crazy that you say, what have you done since then? Number one, I donated $5,000 to a wolf conservatory. But I, I really got deep into animals. I'm deep in animals. But also, 
Little Steps Matter, which is a fantastic organization in Thailand. Takes dolls off the streets. You've seen me post them. Donate money to them. Well, I've posted them. And I'm speaking at P22 Day. The question is not what I've done, because I've done stuff. Question is what you've done. Nothing. To help I haven't claimed. I haven't claimed you to hate, be. You hate animals. No, but I really want to go. Where is it? It's in Griffith Park. Where by the P twenty two statues. P twenty two day. That's. I didn't know there was a statue. They got, they got a P twenty two. Did that happen after he passed away? Wait a minute. I don't know if it's a statue. They got P twenty two memorial there of some sort. After he passed. After he passed away, okay. he was the he's the number one mountain lion of all time. I gotta go. Go to what P22 time? Is, day? What time is your speech? I'm going. They haven't told me yet. It's between 11 and 2, though. I'm going to be up there. I'm going P22 day. Kalika and I are going. She already said she's coming. The question is, are you going to actually show up for P22? I'm showing up for you. Yeah. I'm going to give probably a three-minute speech about P22, what he meant, and what he really is a mascot for. I'm texting right now. Texting who? Kalika. Facts. Because she'll give me the details. Well, I'm proud of you, Van. That's what an honor. What an honor. Well, I mean, look, it's not necessarily an honor as it is a duty to look out for our natural world. <laughs> I care about nature. I know you do. I care about nature, but I... Not really. You don't really care about it. I do. Hello, I let an animal kiss me. Which animal? Oh, talk about the, uh, the, giraffe. the giraffe. Yeah, but that was different. That though. was I was in it before you. I was in it before you. How did he know to give me the... <laughs> That's what Ray J said. How do you um, know? It, it, so, How do you know that I he knew to take me there? Because so let me I ask was you a into question. animals. The fact that your boyfriend asked you to do this and then watch it, that, that's not concerning to you that he wanted to see some kind of I don't weird think he knew that that was going to happen. Animal situation? Like, I don't think he thought I was really going to do it. That's kind of odd. Like, put this carrot in your mouth. It was like what people did, you know? It's like feeding, you know... But you can you feed, feed it with the yeah. hand, you know. You don't he, have to put the carrot in you your could mouth. Put, you could put it that you could do it that way, or and the guy showed me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Who showed you? The guy who worked there. He was white. Yeah. So he showed you how to put a carrot in your mouth and share it with a draft. And I'm, he did it. I'm sorry, it was I did him it. Who it wanted to see it? See, it wasn't even your boyfriend. Yeah, he no, he didn't ask me to do it. It was the guy who wanted to see this. Dude, you never guess what happened today at Wildlife <laughs> Adventures, bro. It was this fucking smoke show black chick that came in here, man. She's fucking, she's with this guy. He looked like he was a football player of some sort. I don't know, dude. And I was like, yeah, I wonder if I can get her to That's right. fucking <laughs> put a character in her mouth and share it with Macklemore, our fucking giraffe. And she fucking did it, bro. What the fuck, dog? You see, I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, bro. These black chicks, you don't even fucking know about it, bro. These black chicks are down. They're repressed in their own culture, and we can get them to do stuff, bro. I'm telling you. You had me till the end. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how they talk. Yeah. That's how they talk about y'all. That's how they talk. <laughs> Whatever, you, I had a I'm good time. You, bro, I'm telling you, bro. These black chicks, bro. You don't even know, bro. They don't even know. It's like, the ghetto is like, a powder keg. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, did you have you watched on Netflix the fall of the House of Usher? No, but I heard it's good. Shit. I heard it's very good, really and good. I am planning on watching it. Guess the guess I'll do that this weekend. So Are you familiar up. with the uh the poems and short stories of one Mr. Edgar Allan Poe? Not like that. Yeah. But I know that that's what it's about. Well, it's about, it's so interesting in the way that it's done. And by the way, we're not getting paid for this at all. 
Don't spoil it. It's the fall of the House of Usher, which mm-hmm. is a Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe short story. Mm-hmm. But then it's all his other stories that are wo- woven into the theme overall of this one. And it's really well done. It's scary, creepy, is it spooky, scary? kooky, the whole nine. You like scary? Not really. But I like a I good story. You like scary? I love it. Heredity, Annabelle, all that kind of stuff. Heredity was disturbing. That wasn't scary. That was disturbing. And you know how I feel about birds. Um, But I watch them all. I watch all the scary movies. Donnie, what the fuck are you doing? I'm thinking about the House of Usher. I am watching it. it. I'm like three episodes in. And I'm not that well versed on Edgar Allan So you're not thinking about it. You're in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like actively thinking about the connections to his past works and stuff that I'm not familiar with and stuff that's like going over my head. But yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You gotta check it out. Martin Scorsese's dropping this week. Killers of the Flower Moon. I thought that was out. Came out today. I feel like I've been seeing so much of it. Thought it was out there. You gonna go see it? Of course. Three hours, 26 minutes. Never mind. I will not. Still haven't seen Oppenheimer. I'm not down to sit that long. That's like a a cross-country flight. I don't want that. Nigga, you are down to sit that long. No, I'm not. You sit that long when you're watching the Cowboys lose. You're watching them. We had a big up. upset. Not a big upset, but a I think. A big we, upset over okay, the Chargers? I just said See, not a big upset. You, that, I just said not a big upset. I, I, I stopped and corrected myself. But even though the Chargers were two and two, now two and three. You guys won the game. It was a home game. It's a win in the NFL. There you go. We needed the win. Mm-hmm. We needed the win. Right. So you, you feel good about Dak Prescott and where the team's going? I feel good about that game. Right. Got a lot of injuries, though. But yes, I feel good about the game. Um, we got a lot of stuff today. Of course, we yeah. have to touch back on what's going on. Briefly. Briefly. I mean, look, not brief. Hey, look, guys, you know no, what? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going deep into it. I'm just not. Okay. Talk, talk about it. Well, no, we talked about it on this podcast. It's just you can't talk about it. And, not the, and I am not one to care what people think. But I guess it's just I'm getting inundated with so much just for having expressing emotion, for, you know, speaking to the issue, even though we I felt like we did it in a on a very, you know, the, the episode that we had, we had the three different voices on it. I thought that that was not that I'm trying to be fair or not. I just thought that that was informative. And still, I just I'm I've I've been silenced. You've been silenced? <laughs> I told somebody that in my DMs. I was like, you know what? I'm not, I go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm yeah. not going to say anything else. Because yeah. I just, I just feel like I'm offending everyone. When we have a platform, people want, I get a lot of, you're not saying anything. You're not speaking out. Okay, well, we have this amazing platform where we can not just speak out, talk about it. Yeah. Discuss, inform, learn, digest, you know, just like release about everything that's happening. And then every time we do, why didn't you do this? How dare you do this? You need to educate yourself. But, um... Have I ever told you the parking lot story before? I'm sure. So, I was working at Best Buy. (laughs) You like Best Buy stories. I like your Best Buy stories. Yes, I do. So I'm working at Best Buy. And I am with my 
colleagues at Best Buy. We're outside of the Golden Corral. I used to love Golden Corral. What was it about Golden Corral? I don't, for me, it's a little nostalgic because mm-hmm. my grandmother used to always go there after church. It would be interesting to go in there and put like a purple light on the whole thing. That would not be interesting, Just actually. Just to see how much bacteria. Because we, you go there and the chicken at Golden Corral always looked the perfect crispiness. It was so It was good. always so good. So we go to Golden Corral. So we had a, a big... Uh, a big party, a big celebration because we hit our no- numbers. So they take us to Golden Corral on the company. You Everybody hit your numbers Golden, and they take you to Golden, Golden Corral. In the same parking lot. Is that what you said? It's no, in the same- no, it wasn't in the same parking oh. lot. It was, we journeyed to Golden Corral. So it was like a full decision. Yeah, I was like, look guys, we're going to take you guys all out to Golden Corral. And it was a big deal because people didn't want to miss it. Certain people are off work at different times. All and you it's can like, eat. Yeah. I get it. It's people are like, okay, well, we have to do it on a Sunday because the store closes early and that's the only day that you could do it. But I'm going to be out of town with my family. Well, we we, ha- we have to do it on a Sunday because the store closes early and then everybody can go to Golden Corral at 60, whatever. So we're, we're leaving Golden Corral and we're outside and we're talking and we're just sitting around. And around the time that this is happening, it is the time of the Iraq War. Oh. Iraq. Iraq. I think the Fallujah assault was happening. And it was getting to the point that the war was starting to dominate American conversation, particularly around the people of a certain age. Like I'm in my college age years right there, or just out of college or whatever it was, 2003, 2004. Maybe it wasn't Fallujah. I can't remember. But we had two members of our, of our team uh, that were Marines. And so I had gone to school with these guys. Great guys, by the way. I had gone to school with these guys. and Gone there and then come back. We're all sitting outside and we're talking. We're just talking about stuff. Talking about LSU, blah, blah, blah. We're just hanging out. Um, it's like seven or eight people. And I'm one of the more popular people in the store. People like Van. They like me. They like all of this stuff. But we had never had conversations that surrounded anything other then surface level shit, football shit, whatever type of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and they get to talking. And some of the things that they get to saying are just fucked, right? They're fucked. They, it, it, it's, there's a whole worldview that was being reflected in the tenor of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that worldview is we're the West, we're mighty. We're always right. And we got the nuclear bombs, the Navy SEALs, the F-16s, um, and the cluster bombs to prove it. And it doesn't really matter whether or not there were WMDs there or not. Iraq is bad. Saddam Hussein is bad. So we're doing the world a favor. It doesn't really matter whether or not we're in Afghanistan for the right reasons. These people are bad. Judged by our morality and our scope of geopolitical purity, these people are bad. So whatever happens to them happens. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to fuck the vibes up. But I I have to. And I just were like, you guys sound like savages. You sound completely nuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing around. And it wasn't any bravery. It was actually, to me, and my arrogant way of looking at the world, doing them a favor. 
just pulling them to the side and going, do you hear how you sound? Mm -hmm. And there have been many people in my life that have done that for me, particularly women (laughs) that have done that for me. Do you hear how you sound right now? Mm -hmm. Say it out loud to somebody that's not on your side of it and watch the reaction that you get. I say all that to say this. We always talk about having difficult conversations. If you're having an easy conversation, you're having a useless conversation. You're having a time waster. Even a conversation that's, any conversation that's worth it, because sometimes we just fill the world, the, the, the air with words. And that's okay. But any conversation that, that's worth it should make you ask the question, why am I talking about what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And there has to be a larger reason. At this point, you can't be popular on this issue. So everyone that has a point of view, forget about it. You can't be popular on it. And I'm not trying to be. I know I know that you're not, but I'm just, this is not necessarily for you because you are who you are. And I thought what happened on the podcast last week took an extreme amount of bravery and I've never been prouder. But while I'm talking to everyone, forget about the circles that you thought you were in. Forget about the uh, friend groups that you thought you were in. Ask yourself right now and do it in a way that reflects your values and how you look at the world. Just ask yourself right now, what do you believe? What do you believe? That's it. Just ask yourself what you believe. Mm-hmm. And fucking act however that matters to you. Ask yourself what you believe. And if you find out that what you believe is at cross purposes with some of the other people that you thought you were on the same page with, that's fucking life. That's the way that it goes. Yeah. If there are a couple of people that are refusing to approach a situation with nuance, and you can't talk to them about it, hey, man, that's how it goes. But I will say right now, in this particular time, being an American and understanding what relationships with uh, countries like Israel mean for America, understanding what life looks like for the people of Gaza, Mm -hmm. understanding what terrorism looks like, understanding what safety, freedom, and autonomy really are, There's an opportunity here to really develop a geopolitical set of of, of morals and values that can push the American electorate forward if we're not afraid of it. And so, look, there are strained relationships in in my life right now. There are. And I'm calling balls and strikes as much as I can. I really am. But there are strained relationships in my life. There are people right now who the phone rings and it's Van and they're probably frowning. And that is odd for me. Yeah, of course. You know? But really? Fuck it. All right. On the other side of this, the new, the big, the big deal of the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, several developments happening in the ongoing war in Gaza and Israel's assault following the uh, October 7th terrorist attacks um, that killed over 1,200 people and now the 
humanitarian crisis that exists in Gaza. Um, we should also say something that I hope everybody's paying attention to. Gaza is being decimated, right? So we all know that. Gaza is being decimated. Mm-hmm. It's not just happening in Gaza, though. There are deaths in the West Bank. I know. We don't really talk about the West Bank. Where there is no Hamas. Hamas doesn't have any control on the West Bank. It's a different set of leaders over there. It's Palestinian Authority. However, violence against people in the West Bank has also spiked since Israel has launched its attack in Gaza. So there's something to be said here that while we're talking about people being killed in Gaza and that being a particular and very specific mission to root out Hamas, which I don't think anybody would have a problem with, we also have to remember that that same rationale can't be used in the West Bank where I think a couple of dozen people have been killed since all of this fighting started. Donnie, look that up and let me know what the death toll in the West Bank has been uh, since all of this stuff has been going on. Um, Biden has announced $100 million in humanitarian aid to Gaza and to the West Bank. Uh, Here's the president. The people of Gaza need food, water, medicine, shelter. Today, I asked the Israeli cabinet, who I met with for some time this morning, to agree to the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza, based on the understanding that there will be inspections, and that the aid should go to civilians, not to Hamas. Israel agreed the humanitarian assistance can begin to move from Egypt to Gaza. Let me be clear. If Hamas diverts or steals the assistance, they will have demonstrated once again that they have no concern for the welfare of the Palestinian people. And it will end. <clears throat> As a practical matter, it will, it will stop the international community from being able to provide this aid. Your thoughts on that? I mean, they should be doing this. Listen, it's, it's a, in my opinion, it's a bad look. I understand that Israel is our ally. And so the U.S. is standing as President Biden has said multiple times, and as he's visiting um, Israel now and sitting down with Netanyahu, he's stood by, you know, they align themselves with Israel. But it is a bad look on the United States that you're seeing all of this happening in the Gaza Strip, and yet it seems as if you are aligned with what is happening and the resources that have been taken away from them by standing with Israel. That's the look. That's how optics are. So, of course, that is, people are outraged at the fact that these innocent civilians aren't getting their basic needs met. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how this is a violation of international human rights. This is against, it's, when people talk about war crimes, starvation cannot be a part of, when you're fighting war, starvation of innocent civilians is a crime. And so it's a bad look for the United States to sit back and do nothing. So, you know, good. They should be offering aid to the innocent civilians there in the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip. Um, and I'm and I'm sure, you know, with everything, when it comes to political things, it's a tactical move as well. People, you know, here in the United States, there's a lot of people who are outraged at what's happening, but all over the world. And I think that this is also a move by U.S. officials to 
as a step to maybe cool some of the tensions that are out there with the surrounding Arab nations that are watching this happen, that are allies of the Palestinians or maybe even Hamas, not that I'm not that I'm condoning that, but just that are watching what's happening, watching these these people have absolutely nothing, knowing that this is a violation of human rights and war crimes and are saying that if you're going to help out in one way, you need to, if you, and you say you stand for the protection of innocent civilians, then you should be doing something to aid them as well. So to me, I think it's a bad look, but I think something that bothered me more was the fact that there was a UN resolution drafted by uh, the Brazilians um, to enact a ceasefire so that humanitarian issues in the region could be provided. Uh, provided. Mm-hmm. And the United States, as a member of the Security Council, um, vetoed that. Uh, United States and other members of the Security Prior Council. Prior to this? To is, offering the aid? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the United States, or simultaneously, this is on October 18th that this was, uh, that Reuters um, posted this. Um, United States, in, in case people don't know, there are a handful of members of the UN Security Council, and each one of those members uh, has veto power on a specific resolution. The United States used that veto power to um, stop what would be a ceasefire, the uh, uh, a proposed ceasefire in the region to um, to address some of the humanitarian issues that are that are going on there. Now, the reason that we gave for that is that the resolution itself didn't explicitly uh, define Israel's right to defend itself. Um. And so because of that, it wasn't something that we could support. I am not, I don't know enough about geopolitics to be able to make a determination on what that means. Um, I, I don't think that there's anyone who, well, actually, let's talk about that. I think there is. And I think this is probably the crux of it for a lot of people. Uh, I think there is a conversation about not Israel's right to defend itself, but what defending yourself looks like. I think that's what people are talking about. No one would say that after what happened on uh, October 7th happened that you're going to stand pat and not defend your citizens. Um, But I think there's a difference between a scalpel and a sledgehammer. Well, that's why there's, there are rules put right. in place by the UN. Right. So I think that's what some people are saying. To avoid this. There's certain things that you cannot do. Starvation is one of them. And America starts to look sort of like not a citizen of the world. And like it starts to look like the big brother of Israel in this situation. And it's obviously a bad look. It makes it seem like, look, <laughs> it makes it seem like, you guys... <laughs> We're not going to do anything that's out of lockstep with what the Israelis want. We're not going. We're not going to do that. It doesn't matter how many people die. And the only way, if you care about how many people ended end up dying in this war, the only thing that you can do is make noise over here to try to 
influence some of your politicians, your, your, your political representation in some sort of way. There's something else that's going on here. We also have to talk about it. Um, I was sent an article earlier today uh, by a Jewish friend of mine, and the article was talking about, and we'll get to the hospital in a second. Actually, let's get to the hospital first, and we'll talk about this on the back end of it. I'm sure that, uh, Rachel, you saw that there was a Baptist hospital in Gaza. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That was hit. And every single thing about the blast has now been disputed. I think a lot of people are talking about the fact that the source of the blast has been disputed. At first, it was reported by a lot of different people, including some people um, very close to the Israeli brass, that the IDF had hit this hospital, leveled it, um, and that they had done it because there was either intel or they believed that Hamas was hiding weapons inside of the hospital. Very quickly, that was uh, said to have not been the case by Israel. They said that a splinter group, a smaller group called Islamic Jihad, had attempted to fire a rocket and that that rocket had landed in the parking lot of this hospital and that some people had been uh, killed because of that. When I say everything about this has been disputed, both the number of deaths has been disputed. The Palestinian Health Ministry said that there were 500 people that were killed. Mm -hmm. Um, Intelligence is now saying that that number is smaller. At first, it was said that the hospital had been leveled. And if the hospital had been leveled, that would indicate the type of technology that would make you think that the airstrike had come from an Israeli warhead because you're dealing with a bunker buster type of warhead that would go in there and it's meant to penetrate deep into a place and it would destroy everything. Um, And obviously the source of it. Since then, the president has gone on record in a meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu and said that he believes that the other team, being Islamic Jihad, was responsible for it. The U.S.'s intelligence has indicated that they also believe that Islamic Jihad uh, was responsible for the blast. Um, Meanwhile, various news sources from around the world aren't quite running with that narrative. Channel 4 and some other places are providing counter narratives to the fact that that was the case. And the only way that we're really going to know is if there's an independent investigation into what happened at this particular hospital. Mm-hmm. You saw all of this stuff. What were your thoughts on it? I mean, I don't really have thoughts on it other than, you know, I mean, I think it's, I, I can't really have a thought on it or an opinion on it until, are they doing an independent study? Or are you saying that is what no, needs to I'm happen? No, I'm saying that's the, I, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about an independent study. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about whoever's going to go in there. First of all, you can't really let, you can't let journalists in there. They're not being let really in there to be able to to do this. There's nothing. You're going to either have to uh, believe the Palestinian Health Authority or the Palestinian Health Ministry, should I say, or the Israelis or the United States. So it's two sides. I mean, I don't think that we'll ever get any kind of resolve to this because, you know, no one's Oh, you always do. You think you were going to actually get the truth? I, I think that in these conflicts and these things in the past, there have been various things 
because and various issues. Israel's that, never good, whether they did it or not. They will always say that they didn't do it. Not true. Okay, go ahead. There was a journalist killed a couple of years ago, and at first it came out that we didn't do it, and then afterwards they went, "No, nah, we probably did it." Now, we probably in, did it. In, in this case, what I'm saying is, there's a history here of people and things happening in Israel, uh, or that have been blamed on Israel. And then them saying, hey, we didn't do that, or that that wasn't us. And then it either being proven or them coming back and saying, hey, that probably was us, or somebody else proving that somebody okay, else proving me, that they didn't. Let me ask you, how long was in between? Because let's just say, wow. let's just say right now they're saying they didn't do it. US is saying based on their investigation, it's true, but we're going to still continue investigating. That's what they're saying. Sure. Let's just say five years from now, they're like, actually, we did it. I mean, that's the way it goes. Okay, but nothing's going to change. Yeah, I mean, the 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 so right right now, to be honest with you, the the reality is, and this is going to sound really crass. Like, who hit the hospital is academic. Hospitals get hit all the time, but they're not supposed to. I understand that, but what I'm saying is that. If you want to have a conversation about things like hospitals being targeted or things like hospitals being hit, then that's a conversation you have to have with both current and historical context. I think something that's happening here is a lot of the world is getting this information for the first time. And that's like with anything else, once there's this much information and this many different sides that are talking about something like this on 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 social media. The reality is when things like this get touched off all the time, people that are sheltering, people that are in hospitals, people that are in other places, they die. And you have to ask yourself how much of that you're okay with in all of this. But you're saying it happens all the time. What I'm and what I'm saying, I'm the only reason why I'm saying this is because this particular incident is going to be used as a political and emotional football Absolutely. in order for each side to talk about how evil the other side is, right? Which is why I say there's no going to be no resolve. People are going to stick to we believe this happened, we believe this happened. Right. It's and it's a war crime. It's another war crime by the way to target hospitals or to, you know, send to destroy whatever it may be, that's another war crime, which is why no one, it, no one in this moment, maybe when it's, when it's over and people move on, they'll say, oh, we probably did that, or they'll take responsibility. But in the moment, it's another war crime. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think that anybody, I don't think that, I mean, there are war crimes that are happening. The settlements that are being built in the West Bank, that's a violation of international law. Like that I mean that it's just a clear violation of international law. So then, what's law. the point of the UN? What do you mean? What's the point of the UN? Well, the UN is who establishes these laws. Uh, not all the time. But the UN, okay. So when I was reading about war crimes, that was established by the UN. Right. So what's the point of having? And there were, I mean, I can't even name how many different things were listed out. But this was established through them. There, it's supposed to be enforced, is it not by them? Not really. How could they enforce it? So then what's the point of having it? I think you're asking a question that a lot of people... No, I'm, I'm, I, I am. I, I, I'm I, I confused know. now. Like, what's the point of, of having this convention? Lit, where people 
are a part of the UN or they're not, if you're a part of it, to me, that means that you stand by the thing, the rules that are in place by the governing body that you're in. So if you don't stand by those rules, then what the fuck is the point? So what is the... Like, like if you, if, if, if the United States is a part of the UN or the United States is part of the UN. Right. And it's a war crime to starve. How do you, you're going against it. Right. That's exactly what Israel's doing. So, They're so your number one, allies. You're you, going Israel, against it. Israel has been sanctioned, right by the by the UN. Israel has been sanctioned. Okay, but the 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 reality is, it's like anything else. Geopolitics is it just matters who your friends are. The UN needs the United States of America on its side much more than it needs justice for the Palestinian people. I just think that these are questions that people should be. That I think there, are, there are questions that people should be asking, but if we're talking about the functionality of the UN, if we're talking about what international law really means, and if we're talking about all of that stuff, then I think people are going to start having a lot of frustrating conversations because it, the, the reality is, so, for example, for people that know what I'm talking about, in the West Bank, uh, which is supposed to be a part of... Israel, but really a state for the Palestinian people. It's separated from Gaza. The West Bank is north of Gaza, north north of Gaza. But it, it in that part, that's supposed to be that's land cordoned off for the for the Palestinian people, right? That's land that they're supposed to have. That's supposed to be run by the Palestinian Authority. All right, Netanyahu, who is an increasingly nationalist voice, and um, in Israel, uh, incentivizes people and has incentivized people to build settlements that are protected by the Israeli uh, military in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Those settlements are built in strategic places. Sometimes they're built in places that are near aquifers. Sometimes they're built in places that, like, overlook different, like, barriers or borders or whatever. Um, And they're illegal under international law. They're illegal. You're not supposed to be doing that. The, the, The deal is supposed to be you don't, encroach in there and bring people over there. Also, uh, those people that live in the settlements are governed by, first of all, they're heavily protected by by soldiers. Those people are governed by Israeli law. The Palestinians that are around those areas, they're governed by Israeli military law. It's a little different, right? Soldiers control all kinds. So there's not very much transportation that happens from Gaza to the West Bank. And then also, if you're a refugee that used to live there a long time ago, but now you live in Syria or you live somewhere else, you can't really come back. Yeah. And if you leave there, you can't really come back. There's all kinds of things that are just inherently unfair, mm-hmm. right? And clear violations of international law. You're not supposed to be doing it. Netanyahu has a plan. His plan is to build enough settlements and have enough people produce enough other people. We're talking about maybe like five or 600,000 people or something like that. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have to look that are, that are living in settlements in the West Bank. Mm-hmm. And then demographically, to have those people outpopulate <laughs> the Palestinians that are living there. So over time, you populate it back and you, you, you get it back. If you would ask him... He would say, well, it's really not a violation of international law because Palestine isn't really a state. And there's something else 
that is important to understand there. The United States is one of a handful of countries that doesn't recognize Palestinian statehood. So we don't recognize them as a state. A bunch of other countries, the majority of countries in the world do. We don't. That severely affects the legitimacy of the Palestinian cause when we don't even look at them as a state having all the rights of a state therein. So what I'm saying is, to your point about the UN, mm-hmm. once again, I'm not an expert on this. I've just over the years been curious about it. To your point, as far as the it, it, it the UN is concerned, and everything that kind of swirls around and and um and uh and surrounds that, like America is by far the most important country in the UN. So the UN is going to whisper its issues with what Israel or America does. They're going to whisper them and they're going to shout them other places. They're going to whisper. To me, attacking a sovereign nation that hadn't attacked you, Iraq, that's a war crime. Mm -hmm. George Bush is a war criminal. Attacking a sovereign nation that had not attacked you is a war crime. George Bush, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, all those guys, they're war criminals. So it's not really about what's right or what's wrong or what's a violation of international law or what's not a violation of international law. It's the same thing with everything else is in the world. It's what you can do and whose dick is bigger. But what I'm saying is this. There is both an understanding of, for me at least, there's both an understanding of why Israel exists, Israel's need to exist, and some of the emotion behind the response to attacks like what happened on October 7th, right? There's a complete understanding of the connection, or not a complete understanding. I think that there's an understanding of the connection between how the American Jew feels with the Israeli government. And then there's also sort of a not understanding, sort of a misunderstanding there, right? And particularly when we talk about a fracture on the left, to me, like there's a worldview that exists uh, that governs the way you move politically. And I get it sometimes that emotions and historical context and understanding change that worldview. The question is whether or not somebody else would have to betray their intellectual and personal morals and principles in order to stand in lockstep with someone that might not agree with it. And if you don't do that, do you hate that person or are you an anti-Semite or you are against them? Very simply said, is it okay to say, hey, I understand the emotional connection that my Jewish friends feel to how terrible and disgusting that attack was. But at the same time, me being a rational intellectual person, don't think what's happening in that region to the Palestinian people not today, not yesterday, not January 8th, not January, I'm talking about January 6th. I'm not, excuse me, I'm talking about October 6th, October 1st. I'm talking about November. I'm talking about all of that stuff. And the need to contextualize that in the grander scheme of things, is that inherently anti-Semitic? Is it anti-Semitic to say everything that happened is fucking 
terrible and disgusting, right? And now that we've had that conversation and now that we've come to that, being able to like pausing at saying, I stand with Israel because of what that means. If we can't have that conversation, then we're not really friends and allies. We can't, oh, and you can't. So, but I want you to say something, but, but I, I just want to, because remember, saying that I stand with my Jewish friends, I stand with, I empathize with my Jewish friends, I'm here for my Jewish friends, I'm available to my Jewish friends, I understand the, the fact that your parents told you that this day was coming and then it came. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. The families that have been impacted. Some of you have family members. There's not a lot of Jews on the planet, right? right? Some of you have family members and cousins and people that are involved in this. I get this. That's one thing. Standing with Israel for a lot of people is a bridge too far. Yes. And I feel like we honestly have conversations like this all the time. I'll give you an example. If we were having a conversation about how much black people needed uh, in order to to get ahead in America, or if we were talking about, I don't know, standing up for stuff after George Floyd, that's one thing, right? But like, go up to some of the people that you know in any community that you consider to be allies, right? And ask them if they support reparations. Like, ask them if they support, straight up right now, $40 trillion to a Black American. Ask them that. Like, all the white people... The, the Jewish people, the Italian people, the white, all the white people that are in the, the, the realm of white. They agree with you. They want the best for you, but they don't agree with you on everything. And you know it. Like, it, it, it was interesting to watch a conversation that Harvey and Charles had on TMZ when they were going back and forth about Gigi Hadid. And I really appreciate everybody sending me TMZ clips. I, that, that's much appreciated. They were going back and forth, and it was a very heated conversation. And Harvey's a very proud Jewish man. He's a very proud Jewish man. Very proud, right? Um, deeply cares about issues of the Jewish community here. Deeply cares about them uh, in terms of Israel. I've talked to him about it before. Not in depth, but I know that he cares about that. He has a proud history from his family and all of that stuff. I remember having a conversation with him one time at TMZ. This is an example of what I'm talking about. And... I think about things like this when I, when I read about how disillusioned people are. I remember having a conversation about him uh, with him at TMZ one time. And the conversation was about Thomas Jefferson. Now, obviously, if we're having a conversation about Thomas Jefferson, I feel the need to contextualize Thomas Jefferson's life. You cannot deny that Thomas Jefferson is one of the baddest motherfuckers that ever walked the face of the planet. That motherfucker is smart. Jeez. Thomas Jefferson didn't just write the Declaration of Independence, which is an amazing feat. He invented the chair that he wrote the motherfucker in. Like, that's a smart motherfucker. He was brilliant, okay? He also allowed his children to live as slaves. He also abandoned, abandoned all the Enlightenment philosophies that he had, that he had uh, learned. He was a student of the Enlightenment in favor of being a slaver because it was lucrative, had a big inheritance, and the whole deal. And Thomas Jefferson fucked slaves and traded slaves. People were whipped under Thomas Jefferson, mutilated under Thomas Jefferson, sold under Thomas Jefferson, and he endorsed it. 
And when, when I brought that up to Harvey, do you know what he said to me? I'll never forget it. He said, right. those were the times. Hmm. That's what he said. He said, well, those were the times. So is it what was he okay. Said. Those were the, I don't know if he was saying it was okay. That's implied. But what I'm saying is that he said, those are the times. Those that's those implied. Are the times. You know, those are the times. And I'm During like, those times. And so and so what, what I'm saying did. is it's so okay. what I'm saying is, okay, those were the times. Why is it improper or why is there a pushback when I'm contextualizing the experience of my ancestors and not just the experience of my ancestors, the um the trauma that was passed down from that that's never been appropriately reconciled in America, why is there a pushback to that? What, and so, and what I'm telling you is that that pushback, that, oh, those were the times. Those are the thing. This is the this. This is the that. No reparations, blah, 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 blah. I want my friends to understand that's what we live in. We get that. So when we're uh, like contextualizing an entire situation, I wouldn't think that you would have a problem with that. I would think that if I said, you know what? What happened was fucking terrible. And what we need to do is after Israel launches their offensive against Hamas, we need to make sure that going forward, we look at this issue here right now, what's going on in Gaza with the humanitarian eye and the lives of the Palestinian people with a, in, in a humanitarian um, with a humanitarian eye, because prior to this, all this cyclical violence is going to do is ensure that something like this happens again. I don't understand the fracturing that comes from that, because from everyone with everything else, no matter what it is, we put things into context. People have been putting my experience as a black person into context. Since I've been born, I've been telling people, hey, we don't have this. We don't have that. The police do us this way. The police do us that way. Oh, well, this study says this. Oh, well, this study says that. Well, oh, you guys do this and you guys do that. And I'm like, all right. That's why I came on the podcast and I was like, you know what? I don't need really need any allies because an ally is good, but they're always trying to tell you about your experience. They're always trying to tell you about what they think. What I need more than allies are people that stay out of the way and let me do what I need to do. And in this situation right now, these people are not these people. I think this thing is essentially saying is, if you don't do this, then you're not with us. And if you don't do this in the way that we're asking you to do, you're not with us. I, I don't, I reject it. And everything you said is exactly why I don't think we need to bring anybody <laughs> in this podcast. Oh, come on. Like, there's, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said. And there's a lot of, emotion behind what you just said and feelings. And I understand also why you're saying the things that you do because you've been having these conversations or people haven't been allowing you to have these conversations with, with your Jewish friends. I know because I'm going through it with my own. So I get why you want to bring, have those conversations on here because there's a frustration of just not being able to understand one another and not connect. And if you say this, then you're this. And if you don't, then you're this. So I understand why. I just don't understand the purpose because we would just be going around in circles because people so emphatically believe what they do for whatever reason. And so do we. All right. Let's get back to some bullshit stateside. 
Young Jock. I like Young Jock, man. Why? Because I used to do a radio hit in Atlanta, and I would talk to Jock and them, Jock and Shorty and them, every, every, uh, every Monday. Mm-hmm. And they got to be the homies, man. Jock, Jock is talking. Uh, give, give us the audio on Jock and his feelings about performing at LGBTQ events. Don't get me wrong. Somebody got me today. I was like, hey, yo, man, you a quarter million. I know what I got to do. <laughs> nah, I, I may not do it either. And it's not that I have nothing against the LGBTQ people, but I just may not understand. I may not be in the know enough to feel comfortable enough to do this. I just don't know nah, because I, cause I don't want to start doing that. Maybe I don't want to be comfortable with this lifestyle. Is that okay? Is that okay to say? Is that okay to say? I may not be comfortable rapping this song and this man is looking at me with lustful eyes with his nipples out, (laughs) with lipstick on, (laughs) rapping my lyrics to me. I I may just... You talk about it's going down and this man is looking at you with hard nipples. (laughs) You try to turn from this side and go here. I mean, I mean, it just it just might not work like that. Um, the show was Streets Morning Takeover. It was Young Jock. It was Shorty. It was Mo Quick. Uh, Rachel. Yeah, they're your friends. Listen, it's like it's like when people say I'm not racist, but I'm gonna make a racist comment. Okay, mm-hmm. so Young Jock is like I don't have a problem with them referring to people in the queer community. But you're going to make homophobic comments, which you did. And then that is supported by the laughter in the room with the people, whoever it was that he was talking to. I think this is the thing where, and we've kind of touched on this on the podcast before about Black men and their issues. You're laughing, you're smiling, but their issues in being uncomfortable with the queer community. And I think this is a question for young Jock where he has to question ask himself, what is it that makes you so uncomfortable? And it's a question about his own sexuality. And I don't mean like sexuality in the sense that, you know, like whether, you know, he's straight or queer or whatever. I just mean like, what is it that makes you feel, I'm thinking, trying to think of another word of uncomfortable, but uneasy or the fact that you can't be in a room full of queer people doing your craft and without feeling like they want you. That is such an immature way to categorize the queer community. And he even makes a, a, a point when he's talking where he says, maybe I don't understand or I have more to learn. And it's like, well, maybe you do because your your view of the queer community is so limited to where you think that one, all queer men are walking around topless with their nipples out. And also that they must, because they're a man and they're queer, that they also must have eyes for you. That is such a a small way of thinking of it. And you clearly need to educate yourself more about the community. I think he was trying to be funny too, which clearly failed. Um, We got to grow up, man. Yeah. We got to grow That's, up. Jock. so stupid. Jock, we got to, you got to come on. The, you got to come on the show, man. Or we got to talk to you, Jock. 
No, we got to talk to... See, that's the thing. We can't... We got to talk to okay, John Okay, do you know why I say we gotta that? We got to talk to... Why? Because he went back and forth with... Has gone back and forth. There was someone he went back uh, and forth with that called him out. Um, and he stands 10 toes down of in this. Of course he would. But like... I don't want to talk to you. And I know you're always like, you don't want to talk to these people. You don't want to bring them on. But my thing is, I always think of what is the purpose of the conversation? What If, if we brought young Jock on to have this conversation and he's going to stand in what he said, what's the point? To me, it's almost allowing somebody to come on here and spread that problematic rhetoric. Yeah. So I disagree fundamentally with that. Come on. I think that Light is the best disinfected. I think that I think that I, I I do. I think that having a conversation, I think that there's almost no, no upside to not having a conversation. I just, I just don't. I just I don't. You think- don't think someone's tried to talk to Young Jock already? Like I told you, this this person who who called him out. First of all, you're you don't want to hear from Jock. The entire audience is going to be like, I don't want to hear from Young Jock. That's fine. My thing is. <laughs> I, it's like having Boosie. I think that these conversations need to be had and need to be had with people that can have them with nuance and push people to look at things in ways that particularly uh, they have it, right? And so for me, I've had enough conversations with people in my real life, enough conversations with people that you know in my real life and have seen people change their perspectives, grow and mature because of their being pushed that I think it's always something to do. In this particular situation, Young Jock doesn't, I don't know if he knows or if he doesn't know, but what he said was vilely homophobic. In a 1950s racism, the niggers are going to take over the entire concert. This playbook has been used so many different places, right? This playbook was used when, you know, a black person couldn't perform in certain venues or when they had to separate black people and white people in certain venues or when your blackness was going to affect the cups and the glasses and the dishes and you walk in different places. All of this, I'm not sure what this group of people have in store for me. I'm not sure what that means. Um, my question to young jock is, if you don't know that much about the LGBTQ experience, if you don't have that type of information, the question is why? You live in Atlanta. Doesn't you want share to. your community uh, with LGBTQ people all the time. Why wouldn't you want to understand what their experience and their life is like? Maybe if you understood that they don't want to fuck every single man that you, they, they see, Maybe that would kind of change your perspective about performing. Obviously, he's speaking from a place of ignorance because he's he's saying that he doesn't know. So the question is, why don't you know? What's wrong with knowing? Is there wrong with knowing more about your neighbor? Is there wrong with confronting things about people that you would want to be safe and that you would want to be able to be able to express themselves? If I ask young Jock right now, do you want the gay people in your community to be in danger? Do you want them to be killed? Do you want them to be beat up? Do you want them to be arrested for being gay? Do you want them to be profiled for being gay? 
he would probably say, probably he would say, can't be sure, but he would probably say, no. Abs- he would absolutely say no. I don't care what they do. They can do whatever they want to do. The question is, what if I told you, young jock, that you saying what you just said dehumanizes them to where it actually gives a lot of oxygen and normalizes treating them like that? To me, I don't think that a lot of times when brothers say stuff like this, that they think that they're killing people. No, they don't. I don't think that they feel that way. But it's important to have the conversation in those terms that they are. This is immature. It's fucked up. It's bad. I know Jock is better than this. I know he is. By the way, when I say young Jock is the homie, I mean... Me and Young Jock don't, I don't want to make it seem like our relationship is more than what it is. I don't text Young Jock. I don't have his phone number or nothothing. I used to do the hit. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was cool. I had a lot of fun doing the hit. I had a lot of fun talking to them. I had a lot of fun um, being on the streets morning takeover when I was on it. So what I'm saying is a, a, a lot of times we're pumping up this bravado and this sense of masculinity and we don't understand that we're subtracting for people from people or we don't think that it makes that much of a difference when it does make a huge difference. Yeah, I think people like Young Jock and Boosie who make these type of comments, they love to say, I'm not homophobic, but then they say all of that. And this, it's, we got to get rid of this thinking of, well, I'm not homophobic. I don't have a problem with them, but I don't want to interact. I don't want to be around. I want to completely I just don't separate want them to live in myself from them. <laughs> right. That is a problem. You can't say I'm okay, but I want to completely disassociate myself from them, getting to know them, their lives, whatever it may be, even performing. Like that's that. It starts there. It starts there. I just don't understand how you don't get it. You think because you don't you don't say anything, that then it's not a problem. That oh, that means I don't have a problem with them. That can't be what it is. All um, right, what's the next fucked up thing we're Jesus talking about? Jesus Christ, <laughs> what's what's wrong with you? You gotta cheer up, Rach. Rach, you're taking on too much. A lot of people are hit me up worried about you. Well, I'm I'm not taking on too much, but. If you are worried about me, then we wouldn't have talked today about Israel and Palestine. I told you at the top, I do not want to talk about it, which is sad because we should be because it's it's everywhere and people are being impacted by it every single minute, hour of the day. We on this podcast honor Jewish life. We honor Palestinian life. We're doing the best we can. That's it. Look, uh, Sidney Powell has pled guilty in the Georgia election interference case. Now, uh, it's not quite the uh, the slam dunk. You got off on some of the other charges, but there's a reason why, maybe. Exactly. Six, misdeme- six misdemeanor counts of conspiracy to commit intentional interference with the performance of election donates in Georgia. She helped spread baseless claims of widespread election fraud to the 2020 contest that cost Donald Trump. And she worked to access voting machines in Coffee County, Georgia. You can't do any of that stuff. That's bad. And as well to and, uh, and elsewhere to further those assertions. 19 people were charged. All Rico, big Rico. Rico, I'm in love with the Rico. <laughs> she pled out. Six years of probation, pay a $6,000 fine, and pay restitution of 2700 Uh, She wrote an apology letter. 
And she said that she will testify truthfully in future hearings and trials, as well as provide any requested documents or evidence subject to any lawful privileges asserted in good faith prior to entering this plea. Rach, I'm asking you. Did Cindy Powell just flip on Trump? I think she did. (laughs) I think she did. Which was, listen, when all these, what was it, 19 defendants? Oh, yeah. This is right here. 19 people that were um, charged, indicted when it came to this in Georgia. That was the part. Everyone kept saying the reason they did this many people is because they want to see people flip. They want to see them turn. Based on what it's saying, testify truthfully in future hearings and trials. It sounds like, and I don't know for a fact, but it sounds like she could be called to testify against Trump, which is, we know that's who they want, and really Rudy Giuliani, who they want in all of this at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, and another guy actually pled out as well. Oh. Um, uh, the bell bondsman. I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. He also pled out. So that could be another person who could be testifying as uh, well. Now, then this other guy's about to go to trial soon. Hold on, I'm about to tell you the name. I can get it right. Um, Scott Hall, bail bondsman from Atlanta area. Scott Hall. He was the first one to take a plea. So he could also testify. So if not her, it could be him. And then one of his former lawyers, um, Cheeseboro, is also going to trial soon. His trial is set. None of the other trial dates have been set yet for for Trump or the remaining co-defendants. But it's looking that way. Only thing I know about Scott Hall is he was one of the best that ever did it. Say hello to the bad guy. Bro, there's our Ramon. Huh? Say hello to the bad guy. What is, what is this? Scott Hall. Rest in peace. One of the greats. Say hello to the bad guy. Donnie? Razor Ramon. No, Donnie, don't the Razor. I am Razor Ramon. What is that supposed to be? Wait, 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 what is that motion? Wait, hold on, wait, wait. You oh. say hello to the. Is he, he's guy. a wrestler? Razor Ramon. He's a wrestler. Yeah, you don't remember? Y'all remember Razor Ramon? It's Scott I'm Hall. I'm looking Rest at him peace. now. Yes, yeah, before my time. Oh, Scott Hall, man. Damn. <laughs> before my time. Scott Hall, he passed away. I last thought you year. were doing a line from a movie. Not Razor Ramon. Say hello to the bad guy. You know, he was one of the best, man. I loved him. Then him and uh, Nash, Hall and Nash, the Outsiders. I was only remember them. It's crazy shit. Man. Sorry. Don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we can find some good news. Let's see. Let's see. Um, let's see if we can find some good There's, news. I, th- <laughs> All right. This is the front page of Yahoo News. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're really searching for real? <laughs> Tupac Shakur's murder case. Keefe D appears in court. <laughs> no, this isn't good news. George Clooney led a $150 million proposal to sack Afra. Afra, like he tried to, he said it didn't go well. It might be DOA. That's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> the Gen, Gen V was renewed at Amazon. That's good news. The Europe, European Music Awards have been canceled due to Hamas-Israel conflict. Donnie, let's move to mailbag. Um, hold on, wait, wait. <laughs> There's got to be some good news out here real quick. Uh, Survivor 2 Castaway quits four episodes into season. 
Jesse Smollett enters rehab, takes necessary steps after an extremely difficult... You know what? Let's go to the good news station. Hold on for a second. There's a good news channel here. Good news. We're going to give you guys some good news before we get off here. Probably some dogs doing something good. That's always good. Good news network. Okay, let's go. Good news network. Inspiring news. Um, Police officers use a metal pole to retrieve couple's engagement ring after it fell down a sewage drain. Okay. Massive evidence of a massive solar storm found in ancient tree rings could help scientists predict the next one. I don't feel like that's good news at all. Uh, Native wildlife flourishing again after another Caribbean island banishes invading rodents. Invading rodents. Okay, that's good. Um, Amazon.com is now building packaging to fit items and cut waste with weather-resistant paper. Rachel, you like that? That's nice. How about this? This is a, a fucking lock for good news. Okay, great. Give it to me. Tumor-destroying sound waves treatment coming to a hospital near you to fight liver cancer. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge because that's... That's healing. That's, that's healing, people. That's huge. Okay? Send, and, send me that one. And last one. Gavin Newsom is signing a law to help protect bees from toxic pesticides. Mailbag? Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, First mailbag question comes from Chase Procknow. I feel like we might have done this one before, but in case we haven't, what's the best Halloween costume you ever wore as a kid? Why do I not remember my Halloween costumes? I mean, I, I, I had one. I dressed up like Mike the Tiger one time, but I got to be honest with you. It's like, you know, we, went, we, we did Halloween, but it wasn't like all of that. Did you go trick-or-treating? For, for some years, and then dad put the kibosh on that shit. <laughs> we would go trick-or-treating, but we wouldn't always dress up. We would just go. Y'all would, y'all would just go wearing y'all regular clothes? And then, like, I don't know if my mom started feeling some way at some point, but then she, we just only would attend the Harvest Fall or something like that it was called, a church, where they open it up so you don't have to go door to door. So y'all would do y'all would do like the situation where you y'all would go to the church and like go from it's decorated like trunk fall. to trunk, yeah, yeah, because yeah. y'all didn't want it to be about the devil. <laughs> At some point, it was when I was older, but at some point that started to happen. I don't think my dad, being a Catholic, was really keen on Halloween like that. Halloween, by the way, Halloween had a renaissance to me in the last ten or fifteen years. In what way? I don't think as social media became more oh, of a thing. That makes sense. Halloween has because Halloween has vault, vaulted Thanksgiving. See, before <laughs> social media, 
before social well, media. Because we learned about the pilgrims, the truth about it's the facts. pilgrims and Native Americans. That's part of the reason, too. But also, like, before social media, it was like Thanksgiving, Christmas was a big deal, right? But not like now, Halloween, you can put pictures, you can make an excuse to twerk as Velma, you can dress up, you can do all kinds of stuff. Everybody gets to do blackface. Is Halloween is a much more consequential holiday on social media than is a Thanksgiving. Sure, you show pictures of plates and all of that stuff, but you ain't getting no gifts. And it's coming back, you're gonna eat the same shit on Christmas anyway. So now Halloween is a much more social media holiday yes. than fucking Thanksgiving. And so I think that a lot of people was off on Halloween. Maybe you went to a couple of parties. Or, but, like, Halloween being as big of a deal as it is now, like, I can't wait for Halloween? Nigga, I would never like that. What are you going as this year? Don't worry about it. I already know. Well, God damn it, then why would you ask? Because they don't know. The people don't well, know. Well, I'm not going to tell them. It's a surprise. You really are into it. I'm so into it. All right, Donnie, next question. All right, next one is from Rachel AA. What is a movie you've been meaning to watch but haven't? Good question. Van watches all of them. So. That's not true. There's some I haven't seen. So, you know, for me, it is Oppenheimer, but I just don't ever see myself committing to, to I'd have to break it up, like a two-part special. But I do want to see it. There are some that I've missed. I never saw Midsummer. Whatever, it, what's that called? Mid, with Florence Pugh? Yeah, you got it. Mid, it's Midsommar. Midsommar. Mid, Midsommar. I never saw that shit. That shit's supposed to be good. I never saw it. What else? There's other movies that I haven't seen that I missed them. That I've never seen them before. But I don't know, man. Sometimes I also watch movies to soothe me. So, so like your repeat movies? Yeah. What's like your repeat I, movie? There Will Be Blood. That doesn't sound soothing. I don't know why it is. It's soothing to me. There Will Be Blood is Never a relaxing movie to me. You guys, There Will Be Blood is so fucking funny to me. I don't know why it's so funny. Donnie, have you seen that movie? I have, but I feel like that wasn't very rewatchable. Like, I saw it once, oh, yeah. and I was like, I don't, I don't think <laughs> I'm going to dig back into this. Oh, it does have Daniel Day-Lewis, though, Daniel who Day I'm Lu very fond of. Hold on, let me see. Is, from is, Last of the Mohicans. Uh, Wait, you guys don't remember the part in There Will I've Be Blood where... Daniel Plainview says, hold on, hold on for a second. What? It was about my Coyote Hills, please. We'd like that too. Watch this. What's your offer on Coyote Hills? We'll offer 150000 for full title. That's a deal. What's next? You have 11,000 acres in Little Boston. You have one proof. Watch this. Here it is. I don't know what you would do. If you were me and Standard offered to buy what you had for a million dollars, why? Why? So why? Why would you sell it to Standard Oil? You know why. Yeah, you fellas just scratch around in the dirt and find it like the rest of us. I've so scratched around plenty. Hard work. I've scratched around in the dirt, son. You're going to change your shipping costs. <laughs> we don't dictate shipping costs. That's railroad business. Oh, you don't own the railroads? The railroads? Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course you do. I don't know. You could take care of your son. Okay. Where are you going to put it all? 
Wait, it's coming. Here's the fun. The funny part is coming. Hold on. Why not turn it over to us? We'll make you rich. You spend time with your boy. It's a great discovery. Did you just tell me how to run my family? Let us help you. Did you just tell me how to run my family? It might be more important now that you've proven the field we're offering to buy you out. One night. Is this it? This is it. Inside of your house, wherever you're sleeping, and I'm going to cut your throat. Turn it off, Donnie. Did you laugh? Did you laugh, Donnie? Anybody? Nah, I was waiting. Did anybody find that funny? <laughs> That's funny to me. I can't wait believe a minute. we waited wait, and wait, waited wait, wait, wait. for something, and you gave us nothing. Wait. Heads are nodding in the sound room. Wait, wait. That's funny. One night I'm gonna come to you when you're sleeping, cut your. That's not funny. No, Donnie. Nah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought Next you were going to go with that milkshake What a line. waste. I just knew that there was something coming. I guess, I guess you could cut but it But that's out. not a comfort. Like, I almost fell asleep just listening to that. Thir- Maybe that's what the point is. It so, sounds so boring. Oh, like, up. comfort movies are like First Wives Club, no. Devil Wears Prada, Legends of the Fall. Those movies are too small. To there Will movies, Be Blood is a, these is a movies, perfect movie. To just like you zone out to. I love well, that Well, I did zone out. That is correct. What's Shut the up. next one? All right. Uh, last one is from Daniela Ella. What books are you currently reading or on your TBR list? I just ordered two. I ordered Prequel, which is Rachel Maddow's new book about fighting fascism. And um, I... Uh, I finally finished a novel that I had been reading for a year. So I asked everyone what book I should read. And they wrote Before I Let Go or Before I Go. Whatever it was, I ordered it because I was told that that um, is a really good novel. So that's I'll be reading that too. Okay. I'm reading right now MCU, The Rise of Marvel Studios by Joanna Robinson, a New York Times Best fucking seller. Shout out to Joe. So happy for my friend. So proud. I also got other things on here that I'm reading right now. Star Wars, Dark Force Rising, the Thrawn trilogy. I'm reading that. Uh, I'm still reading Not a Crime to Be Poor by Peter Edelman. Uh, I've just finished Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Um, I finally got to the end on my second read of Supreme Inequality. Um... And I ordered some other books to supplement my knowledge of the ongoing tensions between, uh, historically, between Israel and Palestine that inform what's going on right now between Hamas and Israel. So um, those are things that I'm reading right now. I don't have time to read all of them at the same time sometimes, but sometimes I just listen to them when I walk. Sometimes I fucking, sometimes I just fucking uh, put on There Will Be Blood and laugh my fucking face <laughs> off. Whatever, guys. You guys are crazy. I wish I could listen to audiobooks. That's why when you were reading that article, I had to put my head down like this. Like, I'm not a good auditory learner. It's very hard for me to pay attention like that. So I had to, like, really listen and focus. I wish I could listen to audiobooks. I can't. I get distracted. I have to listen to them, like, three or four times in a row. The book? For an audiobook, it takes, like... Absolutely not. All right. Like, I listened to a book on the Constitution. Like, I've really grasped it, you know, 
different people have different mental aptitudes. I'm sorry. I, 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 the thing about me is I never get mentally fatigued, mm-hmm. but um, I'm just voracious. So in order to absorb something, I'll read the same thing two or three times. Read it or listen? Read it, listen, whatever. Like uh, if it's a, in YouTube video form, I'm, I'll listen to the same video for a week straight so that I have it. Wow. Shut up, Rachel. No, Take that's impressive. Take off, but I do wish- not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>